Hey, you know, I'm an needy animal. I am, you know. Me, Russ, all of us. Dogs, cats, birds. Oh, by the way, don't forget the turtles. I got a very angry letter from a guy who says, what do you got against turtles? He says, you did not salute turtles, you went on and saluted frogs. And he says, what good is a frog? What does a frog do? He says, a frog, you know, is born, sits around and cheeps a little bit, is caught, and then is dissected. He says, that's a frog's life cycle. Now, isn't that the... Thing? Oh, come on. Come on, bring it up there, big guy. Right? Let's show it all. The needy animals. I'm a needy animal. Of course, we all have different needs, you know. As, uh, <laughs> as uh, Edward Albee would put it so well. Hey, listen. Uh, hello, Test. Hello. Hello, Test. Hello, Test. Hey, God, I knew you'd come. Hello, Test. Fred W. Test just came into the studio. Hello there, Fred. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm really worried. I'm, I'm terrible worried. I, I, uh, there's nothing that bothers me more. Well, of course, there are certain things. I'm saying this editorially here. Oh, you're wondering who this is? <laughs> Uncle Wiggly. Hi, <laughs> George. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, indeed. And if you stick around long enough, you're liable to hear what Uncle Don really said when they turned the microphone off. Dump, dum, dump, dump, dum, dump. I'm a little bit bugged here today. I got this paper. I was sitting on the bus there, you know. And, and whenever I get on the bus, I always look around for little scraps of paper to read. I read the Clairol car ads, you know, only your hairdresser knows. But I knew one of the models that was in one of those Clairol ads, and I knew. So, I, you know, I felt a little... It's really great to feel in, you know. And I'm I'm sitting there, and, uh, and I pulled out this paper, and there was only one page of it there. And uh, if there's anything that bugs me, it's to read one-tenth of a news story. And all the rest of the paper's gone. And I read one-tenth of a news story, and I'll tell you, I can't get it off my bird. It is in my mind. Did any of you read it? I can't believe it. Here is one paragraph at the bottom of this paper. It says, Charles Clarine in Paris glanced at the toilet in his third-floor apartment and found a python peering back at him. That's all. That's all I know about this. That's all I know. I mean, what am I going to do? A python and a john. I mean, this is a big snake. That's a big snake. I mean, you know, that ain't the kind that comes out of the, out of the bushes, you know. And in Paris, they don't grow... Do, do pythons grow natural in Paris? He glanced at it. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, it must be the same in Paris as it is everywhere else. He must have... You know, I mean, there must have been a reason why... Oh, no, no, no. I, I, it's getting out of hand. Well, please, please, Art, please. Bring on... One, one, bring on something that'll calm me down there. That's all. Bring it up big. Come on, I feel like blowing tonight. Come on, big, heavy. Here we go, gang. Come on. All right. I'm tuning up. Let's go, Louis. Come on.
talk a bit. Set that one up there. I just feel... Oh, another sad story. I, I, I don't know. It's just getting to be such a bad scene. Hey, I, I got another problem here. It's been bugging me for a couple of days now. It, it doesn't seem possible that there ever was a song written like this, but there are some words coming through my head. Uh, I just I just want your understanding. That's all. I'm, I'm, I'm before you tonight, stripped naked. I am a fellow human being. And I just forget that I'm talented, famous, rich, powerful, strong, unbelievably virile, all that stuff. I want you to forget all that, okay? <laughs> and uh, just imagine me as a simple little struggling bit of human flotsam battling his way through the vast jungle of existence. Okay? <laughs> Just keeps coming. It keeps coming. It keeps coming out. There. <clears throat> Straighten up, Shepard. Straighten up. Well, look in the sky. Come on now. Straighten up, will you? All the people are waiting for you. It's Friday night. You've got to get on it. You can't mess around here. <laughs> What happened? Were you getting feedback? I was getting feedback in the cans here. <laughs> funny noises here. Uh, the bird with feathers of blue is waiting for you back in your own backyard. Oh, you could go to the west, go to the east, and you're sure to come. Weary at heart, back where you started from. <laughs> You'll find it. Happiness lies right under your eyes, back in your own backyard. <laughs> yeah, Chinatown, yeah, where them lights, where them lights are low. Oh, oh, China, 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 Chinatown, where the old, that old dragon lady, she hangs around. She's got this little joint selling pizza pies. Delicious and egg roll too. And that ain't all that she says. Oh, down in China, China, Chinatown. Hiya, Kalawa. Oh, Sokala.
Ah, I feel much better. Do you feel better nearly now? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I really, I really am. I'm sorry. But, uh, you've got so much to do here tonight. Here, I've been fooling around. Like, for example, we've got the hit, hit. Oh, quick, 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 quick. Come on, all right, come on. That's it, gang. Here's one of your favorite tunes. Oh, yeah. Millie. Millie, high life. That's the beard that says it. Oh, Miller High Life Beard. Yo, Miller High Life Beard. Uh, friends, I hate to remind you, but the weekend is coming up. And you just don't want to get short, man. You don't want to be caught short. Open that big old refrigerator up and what do you find? Nothing but dog food. Oh, ah, you better lay in right now before you forget it. About 19 big, fat, old six-packs of Miller High Life Beer if you want to have a little high life over the weekend. I mean, you know, you're going to need something to keep you watching them Met games the way they've been playing lately. So I would like to suggest Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. Comes in cans. Comes in uh, bottles. If you like bottles, you can even buy it in troughs, barrels. You can get a tank car if you want, friend. If you're really serious, it's Miller High Life Beer. <laughs> hey, that was real good, Miller High Life. Shucks, I forgot where it's brewed. Oh, well. Oh, Miller. Here's a headline. It says, Happy Childhood is Linked to Atheism. Probably written by an atheist. Hey, listen, we had an unbelievable night last night. That's why I'm acting so peculiar tonight. <laughs> it's wild. Oh, I'll tell you, I have not had anything in a long time that I enjoyed more than that wild night last night at Princeton University, right in the very shadow of F. Scott Fitzgerald, Edmund Wilson, and uh, Rodney, Rodney LeVere. He has this, yes, oh, yes, the most famous door-to-door, uh, -door, screen door salesman to ever go to Princeton. And uh, just great. I mean, unbelievable. You know, Alexander Hall, there is, a, there is a story about Alexander Hall, for those of you who don't know it. Princeton is this, uh, you know, this bastion of culture and all that. And uh, they got this ivy growing all over the place. And if you're very quiet, you can hear it grow out there. And it kind of bugs the kids because uh, all the time out of the ivy, the cockroaches come. But uh, nevertheless, I mean, you know, it's life. It's <laughs> nothing wrong with a good car. Uh, in fact, the first time last night in the history of American, I think, American drama, recently at least, since uh, they did uh, The Metamorphosis by Kafka on stage, I played a cockroach on stage, a real one. And I'm not talking about Archie. Boy, I had those fevers going. And this was at... Uh, at Alexander Hall, and for those of you who don't know the story of Alexander Hall and Princeton art, do you want to hear a great, fantastic joke? The, the, the myth, or at least, the, no, the story, this is, this is what everybody says, it, uh, apparently it's true, that many years ago, an architectural student at uh, Princeton submitted a drawing, is it like a thesis? of this building he designed. Well, it was, he was the worst architect, apparently, that ever existed. And they flunked him flat. It was just terrible, see? Real, he really laid an egg. <laughs> I mean, and he really got bugged. Well, well, they thrown him right out of school, see? Well, uh, years went by, and this guy became very, 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 very rich, like so many of the bugged on town of the do. He became very rich. You got this, Art? Now he's out of school, see? So now he's about to throw in the sponge, kick the bucket, I mean, cash in the final check, and he has all these millions, and he turns around to Princeton, and he says, listen, you guys, I'm going to leave all my dough to you. 
on one proviso. That you take some of this dough, only under this condition, you take some of this dough and you build this building. And he'd give them the plans that they flunked them on. <laughs> and there it is, right there in the middle of Princeton now, sitting there like the biggest, fantastic, unbelievable monstrosity you ever saw in your life. It's got horns on it. It's got bells. It's got gothic uh, windows. It's got flying buttresses. Listen, they've got more flying... One of those flying buttresses went past me, almost got me in the ear. Have you ever been hit by a flying buttress? Well, I'll never... That, oh, I can think of a terrible pun. <laughs> I won't even say it. Based on the word buttress. Oh, <laughs> Oh, I, uh, oh, terrible humor. That reminds me, this is W.O.R., speaking of sick humor. This is W.O.R., we're here in New York City, and boy, do we have commercials. Do we have them? Yeah. Any kind of battery you can use. Ka-dum. You can use the powerhouse. Ka-dum, gum. The ever-ready powerhouse. Ka-dum, gum. Where the power comes <laughs> from. <laughs> Hello. Oh, you mean? Oh, 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 ever ready. Oh, gee whiz, they sprung the ball at me just like that. Ever ready, friends. Special breed of batteries today. In fact, you know, this is the mating season for batteries, and there is a special breed that is being produced today. Long-life alkaline batteries that power devices like undersea transmitters, space cameras, and cheap Japanese radios. And the most reliable long-life battery is the ever-ready Golden Energizer. It outlasts ordinary batteries in heavy-duty use. And in radios, ever-ready Golden Energizers last up to three times longer. You can get up to three times more Martha Dean for every battery that you buy that has that golden alkaline energizer sign that says, Ever Ready, a powerhouse, where the power comes from. I repeat, Ever Ready. Repeat this after me. Ever Ready. Would you want a battery that's not? Friend, if you can't be ready, at least your batteries can be ready. Please. Palisades has a ride, Palisades has a fun. Come, Come on over, rest children dancing are free, so the parking so gee. Come on over. Here's the chorus Palisades from coast to coast, where a time buys the most. Palisades amusement park swings all day and after dark. Pum, 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 pum. So come on over. Palisades Amusement Park is now open for the season. 200,000 thrilling rides and attractions Tuesdays and Thursdays. Many of the rides are just a nickel and ten cents. So come on over. There's always free parking at Palisades Amusement Park. Gee whiz, what an exciting show. We had not even started yet, have we? It was like a gigantic windmill that's been caught in an updraft. Hey, listen, that reminds me, though, last night, uh, that was a wild night. Is there anybody out there who was at the show last night at Princeton? Let us know. Uh, I'm waiting here. I got something I want to ask you. It's groovy. We had, we had the, the jug band there last night. And listen, before we go any further, uh, to answer questions, because we've been, been getting letters and stuff from people, and uh, they keep saying to me, like, um, hey, I go to Brooklyn Polytechnic Dental Institute, and why aren't you coming over here? Well, if any of you would like to have me come to your university, uh, you better start writing in now for next... No, no, for next season. Oh, it's a problem, because we've had more, well, more hang-ups with this. No, really. And uh, so you better get with it. But we had a groovy night last night, wild night. <laughs> hey, you know... Uh, I, I'll tell you, I, uh, I'm thinking about that. 
I mean, all these things. And I think we should have a little more poetry on the show here. I mean, poetic concepts. I don't mean poetry. I mean, poetic concepts. And, uh, like, uh, poetry can be found wherever, wherever you, you know, almost, it's, it's in the air, you see. Poetry is not something that just Allen Ginsberg writes. He catches a little bit of it, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> but, I mean, poetry. Now, for example, you can find it in the police reports. A little poetry here. Here's a little thing from the... You ever see the police reports? I get these Jersey papers, and they always have at the bottom police reports. You know, little things that happen, groovy little things. Like here, for example, little one says, a Saturday, 6.05 p.m., Mrs. Blank Blank, a blank, reported that while she and her daughter were swimming at the YMCA, someone stole her daughter's jacket, valued at $7, and her undergarments. Now, what is happening at the YMCA? That's all I got to say. That's a little poetry there. Now, it's just kind of a part of it. You could. You could set it to lyrics. And uh, poetry comes in many different fashions. You don't always know. Oh, there's a... Have, yeah, oh. Yeah, hello. Yes, sir. Oh, hi, hello. Oh, well, I'm sorry. We'd better get another one there. He's. He's... Oh, I can't hear him. Yes. Yes. Yeah, talk up. I can't hear you. There, that's it. Uh, you know, these telephones are kind of funny. Have you got one of those that crank on the side there? Oh, I see. You can talk. You well, just speak up into it. I know my Aunt Min was always afraid she'd get a shock from it. That's all right. Uh, she, it didn't actually work that way with her, you see, because she had uh, wooden teeth, so she didn't get it. Hello? Oh, did you have a good time last night? Hey, hello. Can you hear him? Wait, wait, just a minute here. We're trying to hook you through. We're having trouble. Yeah, hello there. Now, what was you say? That was the what, did you say? This is the first time that I ever saw you perform, and you were absolutely great. Did you have a good time, though? I, was, I really had a great time. What'd you think of that jug band? It was pretty good. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. What, a, what did you think of that hall? It was uh, sort of like you said, that great preparation airs commercial. Well, didn't you feel like that hall was absolutely designed for some kind of very secret and evil religion? <laughs> yeah, like the uh, occult. Or yeah, you know, you could have about 3 o'clock in the morning there, you have uh, you could you could sacrifice bats, virgin bats, you know, something like that. <laughs> okay, man, thanks. Yeah, Hang in. He had a good time. What a wild night. I just wanted to hear, you know, that somebody enjoyed it, because I had a wild evening last night. Was it? Hey, listen, I'm going to submit an idea here. I got a letter from a person here, and... Uh, did I ever tell you the first live show I ever did? Did I ever tell you about the first live show I ever did and how it came about, Herb? Well, now, I'm going to tell that story. Now, we've got to get the commercials out of the way first. So, come on, hit the button. we got a couple of commercials. Is, is, is it live or on tape? Okay, hit it. Fine. Oh, once again, we bring you a little slice of American life as a public service by this concerned family station. Now, we visit the little house halfway up on the next block. There he goes. You call him son. We call him the expert. And take it from Pontiac. When it comes to cars, he is the expert. In fact, he's probably the only member of your family who knows there are more than 30 different kinds of Pontiac. Oh, the rest of you guys. And can tell the difference between years, them. You know. Let the expert tell you about the revolutionary features and styling that make the 69 Pontiac the breakaway car of the year. And then take him to your nearest Pontiac dealer. Right now, 
Who knows? You might wind up with a sleek new Firebird, GTO, or Grand Prix. And a whole new father-son relationship. <laughs> That's a nice ride. Yes, this car that can bring you a new father and son relationship is the Pontiac. You remember that name. They're causing all the trouble. Pontiac. Pontiac is brewed in Detroit, Michigan. Now, uh, let's see. Uh, we have Pontiac. Oh, yes. Hey, listen. Have you... Uh, uh, Art, Art, please, watch the controls there. Now, sit down for a minute. Uh, would you please turn uh, the knob up real big? Listen, listen to this. This is sickening. Please. Turn all the way. Come on. Listen to that. Oh, that's sickening. Did you hear that hum, that unbelievable rotten stinking hum? Well, you know why that was? Because you've got cheap, miserable, crummy equipment, friend. Now, you wouldn't have heard that if you had visited the electronic workshop before it was too late. Now, as it is, your brain is probably rotted. And uh, we would like to recommend that it is not too late, however, to go straight. Why don't you get down on your knees? Go on, get down right there before your radio. Get down on your knees. It's good for you. That's good. Now, now put your hand out on that radio. Do you feel that heat coming out there, friends? Feel that heat sneaking up there through your knuckle bones? Do you feel that? That's electronic love. And I'm sending that electronic love out to there, to you, friends. And I want you down on your knees in front of that radio. And I want you to say to yourself right now, I want you to say that loud. I want you to say that loud. It's got to be loud so everyone can hear it, so they can all hear it. Say it out loud. I'm going to get rid of this junk. I'm going to get it. I'm going to throw it out. And I'm going to go down to an electronic workshop and I'm going to repent. And I'm going to ask them to put me on the straight and narrow, get me a preamp that don't have no hum. Got me a 60-watt amplifier, man, that's got bass, plenty of bass, so I can hear Shepard true and beautiful. Okay, men, and I want to have a set of loudspeakers that talk like real people, not like birds squeaking in the bushes, right? Electronic workshop. I repeat, electronic workshop, and it is at 26 West 8th Street, right down there in the village in the heart of that pulsating, true, honest, beautiful, simple... Honest to God, I'll write down in the heart village. You get right down there, friends. That's electronic workshop, right? <clears throat> Why do they make me do that? That's such a terrible commercial. I mean, it's so awful, sacrilegious and all that. Will you call them at, at Gramercy 30140 tomorrow, and you complain right there. You complain to them. And they'll get you a crossover circuit, man, that just don't stop. That's the electronic workshop. They got all kinds of hi-fi, and it's honest. Man, they'll meet anybody's prices, and they'll hook it up for you right in your own house. So if anybody's going to get electrocuted, it's going to be Len Chase. That's the Electronic Workshop, 26 West 8th Street. Anything, anything, bring it on big. Now, if you had good sound, here's the way your Electronic Workshop hi-fi would sound. You'd get the real sound. I'm the chief of everything. Yes, sir, at night when you're asleep. Yeah, into your head of creep, 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 creepity, creep, creep. Oh, the stars of bubbles shine our way to light. And you'll rule this new land with me. I love you, cheek, cheek, America. Yeah, yeah, your love belongs to me. Happy night. All right, all right now. Yeah, that sounds better. That's very good. I like to clear the atmosphere. Don't you? Very good. Now, let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh you want to hear about the first 
Before we do that, I've got a salute I have to make. Would you set up some salute music in there? The first one we played, cut one, please, if you will. Very good. That's excellent. A little salute there. We want to salute the little old lady. Have a note here. It's from Philadelphia. Little old lady. The thing about little old ladies is that they can fool you. This is a note you might not have seen in the paper. Like Mary Heist fooled a hold-up man in her Montgomery County gift shop early Thursday afternoon. Mrs. Heist, who has run Polly Shoppy on Main Street, <laughs> Polly Shoppy on Main Street in Collegeville for 20 years, was minding the store when the man entered. He spent 30 minutes browsing through the little shop. About 1.45 p.m., she said, the man called her to one of the back rooms to ask the price of a greeting card. She says, I believe it was a Mother's Day card. When I got back there, he pushed me against the wall and said, This is a stick-up, Mrs. Heist said. Instead of trembling in fear, though, she slapped the cigarette out of the startled man's mouth, grabbed a heavy roll of wrapping paper, uh, by the way, decorated with bunnies, and began to beat him about the head and shoulders. Taken aback, the man retreated toward the front of the store, where the little old lady went after him in hot pursuit. The hold-up man, who did not show a weapon, ran behind a counter. He was not given up. He grabbed some dough out of the cash register. Well, while the man was fumbling with the cash drawer, Mrs. Heist was grabbing potential missiles off of the shelves of Polly Shoppy, hurling heavy candles, ashtrays, all of them decorated with bunnies and little birds, and an occasional book at the man who had a fistful of money. He bolted for the door. Still not satisfied, Mrs. Heist chased him along the street, throwing candles at him, wrapping him a few times with a large iron spoon. And finally, grabbing the rear of the car as it pulled away. She's hanging on to the car. I got the license number, she proudly told state police, who later arrested the guy. They put the arm on him. And the Mrs. Heist said that the hold-up man took about 50 bucks and took a lot of lumps all over the top of the head with those ashtrays with the bunnies on them. When she returned to the store to call police, she picked up a pen, quote, which the man apparently dropped in a scuffle. It went off in her hand discharging a cloud of tear gas, which filled the store with all kinds of stuff, and several other little old ladies who were by now browsing again for ashtrays with bunnies who ran out in the street. Asked why she risked her life, she replied, Well, I, uh, he wasn't much bigger than me, and I wasn't really afraid of him. And so let us please salute Polly Shoppy. That guy is going to be in the slam, and he's going to have one devil of a time explaining that to all those other guys named Spike. <laughs> he's going to run into that. <laughs> oh, man, I just had to salute that old town. She's just sound great, you know. Being hit on the head with wrapping paper. It's enough to throw anybody off. Uh-oh, we're getting a special bulletin here. Hold on, special bulletin. A tearful... Oh, a tearful plea from a kid. Who is this guy? Do we know him? We don't know him, huh? Please say happy birthday to a great English teacher, Mr. Polo. All right, happy birthday, old Mr. Polo. We never thought you'd reach it, but you did. Happy birthday, old Mr. Polo. And uh, judging from the kids that you got that you're teaching, you better wear an iron hat for the next the rest of the year there. So let's... Uh, <laughs> let's uh, no, no, that's great. Uh, it's not often that a kid says, wish happy birthday to a great English teacher, Mr. Polo. All right. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm uh, one of your fans. I heard you didn't know. Yeah, here's, here's a great line here. It says, uh, Dear Shepherd, I have something here. One of your shows brought out your desire to get your own group, you know, a little group that uh, follow all the comics around. Janky, you were great tonight. Jank, I'll tell you, you uh, Merv just couldn't handle it. You were great tonight. 
He says, uh, we heard that you want the little group to follow you around, offering you fulsome prices and supplying cheese sandwiches and Diet Pepsi and the like. Our group is offering our services to you. The first week is free, so that we can be in your magnificent presence. The second week we get paid. This is like all the rest of the sycophants. We want... <laughs> All right, we'll be in touch with this guy. They're uh, signed, uh, Shepping Lures, you're fantastic, unbelievable, and great. Would you like another drink of Pepsi? Uh, you know, a little cheesecake there. Leader, Tronk, Eidolf, Crusher, Sasha, Flash, and Doc. And also D. little thing at the bottom says, uh, Flick lives. However, he's not well lately. All right. <laughs> Got a bad knee. However, we, uh, we would, uh, I, I'm going to have to confess something. You heard this uh, guy call. Oh, hey, listen, I got one more thing I want to do. I got a letter, another letter here. Listen to this one. This is a this is this is a fascinating bit. Now I, I just just want to throw it out to you. This chick uh, uh, writes me a note. She says, "This morning I walked into my junior U.S. History one class as an ordinary kid. I expected nothing to happen. We were talking about the Bank of the United States, a routine topic, boring, same kind of stuff you get all the time." We were learning that after the War of 1812, individual states were printing money. You know, their own money, like you get Indiana money or Pittsburgh money. The teacher, a very hip guy who looks like either Joe Namath or Dustin Hoffman if he was drinking, asked if we had any questions. Very innocently, I asked if it would be legal for a private citizen to print his own bills if he had a lot of silver and gold to back him up and circulate them. In other words, start his own economy. Naturally, I knew it wouldn't work. I just wanted to know if it was legal. After a few snappy jokes and a short discussion, he gave me a flat no. He said, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And went on to the next question. He's obviously thinking out. She says, however, I've been thinking about it, and I spent the rest of the period working out my own economy. You ever think about that? What if you started your own economy? She says, here it is. I get some people to do some chores for me and pay them off in woo-woos. <laughs> Woo-woos. She says, that's the name of the money. They, in turn, spend it in my general store, which only accepts woo-woos as legal tender. Naturally, I'll lose money, of course, because I'll have to pay for the merchandise with dollars. And the woo-woos I take in aren't negotiable anyplace else. However, this is the price one pays for true capitalism. Why should the government have a monolopy on the money business? That is obviously socialistic. They do have a monolopy. At the present time, my private reserve consists of, one, my sterling silver grammar school ring, net value $4. Therefore, I can only turn out four woo-woos. Worth one-fourth. <laughs> Therefore, I can only turn out four bills. Enclosed in this letter is one genuine certified woo-woo. Worth one American dollar on the free market. The next time you go into chock full of nuts for your coffee and brownie, slap this down on the counter and demand your change. If the guy gets ugly about it, tell him that it's the only, it's the one piece of uninflated money around. I've got to get these four bills circulated in the name of protecting capitalism and against the monopolistic, socialistic problem of the government controlling all the money, the woo-woo marches on. I now have one woo-woo. There it is. I think I'm going to try it down at the old chalk. And she's got her picture on it. How do you like that, see? There's her picture. She drew a picture of herself on there. It says, Legal Tender for All Debts, Public and Private, Series 1969. And this happens to be bill number 0709-ONW8216-SJ7. One woo-woo, payable to the bearer on demand. 
a private bank, and she's got her name. Silver certificate, one woo-woo. Let's give her a salute, please, if you will. I like that. I like that spirit of private enterprise. It's moving on. Uh, the bird with feathers blue is waiting for you. Back in your own backyard. There cannot be a song. Is there a song like that? No, that's silly. Nobody would ever sing about birds of blue waiting for you in your own backyard. If I ever found a bird of blue waiting in my backyard, I know what he'd do. Every bird I ever saw did it on my jacket five minutes after I met him. That's the truth. You know, uh, while we're talking about the truth, though, somebody talked about that show last night. We did it at uh, Princeton. Princeton. And, uh, and, uh, I volunteered that I would tell you the story the first time I actually did a live show before an audience. Was it ever traumatic? It's a fantastic problem. <laughs> Bad news. Have you ever wondered about that? I mean, when you, t- when you look at somebody in showbiz, I don't care who it is, uh, do you ever wonder about the first time he ever ventured out and did it? Now, I don't mean, uh, you know, appearing in a school play, stuff like that. And, of course, when you appear in a play, that's something very different than appearing out in front of a group of people, uh, jaybird naked, so to speak, all by yourself. It's either you or them. Now, you see, you can always hide. An actor always has the, uh, he's got the cover of the play. And so he's just an actor in the play. Now, he can be a good actor or a bad actor, but the, it's the play that people came to see, really. You know, They didn't come to see Big Charlie, uh, unless you're already a star. Uh, being a stand-up entertainer is another kettle of fish. Have you ever wondered about it? When you, when you when you see somebody, like you see Sid Caesar, you know, the first time he actually went out and stood in front of an audience, they didn't know his name or anything, and, and uh, he started to do this stuff. Well, nobody has ever asked me that question except this kid on the phone here. He says, uh, well, you know, when was the first time? He says, I never saw you perform before. And uh, it occurred to me that a lot of people would be curious about the first time you do something like this. Are you interested in it? Well, the first time, I'll tell you how it happened with me. I was in, I was in high school, and uh, and I had this show. I was doing a show on a radio station, a local radio station. Now listen carefully, you guys. Now you got to hear this because because uh, there will be questions appearing on the Blue Book exam later about this. You just got to hear this. So, I I'm working in this station, and it was a real tank operation. You know, there were, there were three of us, see, and uh, and uh, we had different voices, uh, like. Uh, for example, whenever uh, the news would come on, we didn't have a news department. It was just me and this guy named Bill Diller, and uh, there was another guy named uh, Harry something. I don't remember his last name. A tall, skinny guy. He finally got arrested. But uh, the three of us were working this radio station. There was the guy that owned it, and so he would come in every once in a while and he would readjust our schedules. And so once in a while I would be on the news. Well, I, I my voice was changing and all that stuff, so it's pretty difficult to sound very official about the news. So I created a news character. We each one of us had about three different names we would use. And mine was, was uh, I would come on and say, Good afternoon, Americans everywhere. Henry C. Grubbage and the news. And uh, people used to write about this this, uh, this uh, unbelievable reactionary nut that gave the news every day. <laughs> All I was doing was reading it off the wires. And I would find out, I would wind up like this. And we, the taxpayers, we, the taxpayers of America, have not been asked about this. Think about that, Mr. President. Good night. And, uh, you know, it was pretty good. So one day, the manager of the station called me into his office. Now, I'd never done a live show, really, before anybody. I was in the studio. And one day, he called me, and he says, uh, Shepard? I said, yeah. 
He said, here, here's a dollar and a half. He says, I have just called a cab. You pay the cab. He says, you can keep the change. He says, you can keep the change. Now, what I want you to do is take a cab and you go to this address. Okay? And now this is a true story. Listen to this. He said, come on. He says, take a cab and go to this address. And he gives me this this letter. See, and at the bottom of the letter is an address. He says, you tell the cabbie. And he says, when you get there, you ask for Mrs. Silverman. I says, okay. I figured I was going to pick up a package or something. He says, now listen, I'll tell you what I want, I want you to do. He says, I want you to do whatever she says. And, uh, and by the way, be a good sport. Okay. His name was Richardson. I says, okay, Mr. Richardson. I said, well, you know. So I got in the cab, which was downstairs, and I went to this address. Well, I, I got to this place where I was supposed to go, and it was a big building. It was a Masonic Hall. Well, I figured I'm going in to pick up something, or Mrs. Silverman is going to be a, give me an envelope for the boss, something like that. So I walk in through the front door, and there's about 28 million ladies all going in there. They have millions of them, millions and millions of ladies. And I, I, uh, I walk up to the guy that's taking the tickets there, and I said, uh, where's Mr. S- oh, oh, here, let's see, uh, Mrs. Silverman. Mrs. Silverman? Is it Mrs. Silverman here? He says, oh, yes, Miss- Mrs. Silverman. Oh, Mrs. Silverman, he's here. Mrs. Silverman. I says, oh, <laughs> gee, they're expecting me. And this lady with blue hair, and uh, she had this flowered hat. She came oh, you're here. Well, how wonderful. The girls are waiting for you. You come right out back to the stage door. Come right around to the rear here. And we're ready to go in just about a minute. They're all here, and they're all so excited. I said, excited? About what? Oh, yes. Well, we ran down a passageway, and I'm following her. I don't know, still don't know what I'm about to do. And now we are backstage in the Masonic Hall. And I've still got that crummy letter in my hand that all, you know, I had a dress on the bottom. We are now in a little room, and there's about three other ladies, and I walk into the room, and Mrs. Silverman says, Oh, he's here, girls. And all of them went, Hey, oh, 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 he's so cute. I says, What, what? It just seemed like 30 milliseconds later, there was a swirl of flowered hats, blue hair, and now I am out on a stage, and there's 28 million ladies wildly applauding. And Mrs. Silverman is on the podium with a microphone that must have had 7,000 watts of audio. And she is saying, ladies, ladies, and now we're about to begin. He's here, the young man who is going to play Tom Brenneman for us. The young man who is going to entertain us for the next hour and a half. Ladies, let's give him a big hand. And these women went ape. They're screaming and yelling, knocking over their coffee. There's thousands of them all sitting at tables down there. Well, I stepped up to the microphone, and there they were, all waiting for me to say something. I caught one word. She said the word Tom Brenneman. Well, this was at the end of the career of Tom Brenneman. Do you remember Tom Brenneman? Do you know anything about him? Well, Tom Brenneman did one thing. For years, he did this radio show out of Hollywood. Well, I, I, my mind, you know, I wanted to kill that Richardson. I wanted to get back and kill him. I mean, I don't care whether he's a boss or not. And all these ladies are watching. With that, I turned and I said, Well, thank you, Mrs. Silverman. And I want to say what a great, what a great feeling it is to be out here in front of all you wonderful, lovely girls.
It wasn't one of them there that was under 65. And I could hear those girdles creaking. And I could hear them yelling and whooping and hollering. They were knocking over the ginger ale, you know. And one of them threw her hat up in the air. And with that, I turned, and Mrs. Silverman had her hat on. She was sitting right next to me on the podium, see. Well, I grabbed her great big flowered hat. I said, now, girls, isn't this a wonderful hat that Mrs. Silverman is wearing? Let's give it a big hand. And they all went, <laughs> And I said, watch, girls. And I put it on my head, and they went out of their bird. That's all Tom Brennan ever did. He put ladies' hats on his head. Well, I want to. I don't know what there is about putting a lady's hat on your head in front of women that makes them all, you know, want to knock the table over and they scream and yell and they hit each other. When I put the hat on, with a, for the next hour, I kept putting other ladies' hats on, and I kept, you know, pinching them and yelling and calling them girls and telling them how cute they were and drinking their ginger ale. And all the while I'm thinking, all I was realizing out of this was 40 cents, which I kept out of the change for a dollar and a half. And I'm sweating, I must have lost 15 pounds. And finally, with a great roar of applause and a scream and a dish of chicken a la king in one hand and a flowered hat in the other, I got back in another cab and went all the way back to the radio station. That was the first live show I ever did. You know, there's an old Indian slogan. When you want to teach a kid to swim, Throw him in the water. If he drowns, all right. <laughs> if he learns to swim, he'll never forget it. That was my first live show. There you have the sickening story. I am admitting it. It's out there before you in all of its ghastly, ugly details. And I want to tell you one thing. You got an assignment. You hear me? I am on tomorrow night at five minutes past ten, and don't you forget it. Right? There will be some important information on that show that will appear in the final exam. That is your assignment.